In today's episode, we're speaking to Maria Burrito. Maria has 13 years of experience as an art advisor after leaving her career as a corporate attorney in a big law firm in New York City. She has acquired more than over 100 million in art for her clients, which includes celebrities such as Ashore Diddy Combs, Gwyneth Paltrow, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, hedge fund portfolio managers, investment bankers, and private equity firms and more. Let's speak to Maria and find out how she changed her life by changing her mindset. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession, or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Girl Khan, your money mindset expert. And today I'm super, super excited. We're speaking to Maria Burrito. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Gol. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. And did I pronounce your surname correctly, by the way? Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I, I it's I fine. I don't, I don't have fixations with that. There are other things in my life that bother me more than that. <laughs> okay, thank you. Because I, I, I feel like I'm butchering it. Anyway, Maria. Everyone's heard your intro, they know how fabulous you are, but please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do. Well, I'm an art advisor, first and foremost, and uh, I'm an author, I'm a curator, and basically what I do, and I have been doing for the past 14 years, is helping demystify the art world and art investing for laymen, and the work that I do with my clients one-on-one basically is helping them diversify their investments through art and also live with art and the pleasure and the cultural factor and the emotional connection that brings good art to my clients' lives. So that's one important part of my business. And as an author and writer, I got my book published by Harper Collins last year, exactly a year, is called How Creativity Rules the World. And it is about how I built my business, how I transitioned from being a very miserable corporate attorney in a big New York law firm to what I do today, which is has been really a, my dream business, my dream job. And um, I get to do speaking engagements around the world, talking about creative thinking, for business from the lens of successful artists. So I wear many hats, but everything is anchored in in the idea of having art or learning from artists or living with art and investing in it. Wonderful. Now, we're going to talk a bit about your journey. So can you talk us through, through a bit of your background? I and mean, you mentioned that you were an attorney before. So how did you go to become an attorney? And then how did an attorney go on to become, you know, an art creator. So to talk, talk us through your journey. 
Yeah, well, look, I was born and raised in Venezuela in South America. And so I was uh, a part of a family who had very conservative thoughts about what people do in their lives, right? Like you are an attorney or you are a physician or an engineer, something that my parents thought would be dependable and secure mm. because obviously it's the context of where they grew up and the things that they thought could be done. And we're, you know, in in that society and in that country. So mm -hmm. I was very prepared to do something wildly awesome with my life, like being a singer or working in the art. And my parents were really not very supportive of that. So with time, I guess, you know, I was like, since I was a child, when I was like, I want to be a singer and I want to be a performer, as I grew older and, and knew that I was going to face a lot of opposition from my family, I ended up thinking that my options were very reduced because I didn't want to deal with numbers. I just really wanted to read and write. And, you know, so I decided that I, I wanted to concentrate a lot of my studies in high school and college around art and art history and business because business I love, but, you know, the part of like, dealing with equations and algebra and stats, that was not for me. So I ended up going to Harvard Law and I loved my time there, but I I was sort of like living through my parents' expectations rather than my own. And I moved to New York in 2000 and worked in different law firms, always thinking that the next one was going to be the good one or the better one. But really, the problem was me because I really didn't want to be there. And I became quite introspective about this fact when I was pregnant with my first child and after giving birth to him, because I said to myself, I really am wasting my life doing something I don't like. Mm -hmm. I now have a child. It's not that I want to be a stay at home mom. That was really not my intention. My intention was like, how do I demonstrate to my kid and the one that came after that I can be someone who can fulfill a creative passion that actually is a business that brings money and that I don't have to be tied to a job that makes me miserable. I'm going to be a terrible mom. I'm not going to be around anyway, because once you are an attorney in a corporate law firm in New York City, you really, they own you. Yeah. And um, so I, uh, since I had that, I had both, uh, let's say, a theoretical background because I had studied a lot of art history. Mm. And I also had a very practical background on that because even though my parents were not supportive of me pursuing a career in the arts, they were very adamant that I learned by going to museums, by going on trips and learning about culture and learning about art history. And so I... I didn't have to see things on books. I was really on the ground. And when I moved to New York, it was phenomenal because, you know, we are surrounded by galleries and museums and things that I frequently went, even when I was an attorney. So that, um, it, you know, it was the right time to do things. I, it was not, the art market had not hit the boom that it's had experienced for the past 10 years. So, it was a very interesting time because I could do things at my own pace in a way. And I did like right now, 
I'm at a speed that is like unthinkable for anyone who wants to start something new. But at that time, I had my time to go and sit with people and shake hands. And also people have more time to do that kind of thing to, oh, wonderful, you know, welcome. And yes, and we want to do business with you. So look, I think that I believe a lot in serendipity and yeah, I believe a lot in like things happen when they are meant to happen. Obviously, action is required. It's not that I'm thinking in lotus position, waiting for things to fall on my lap, right? But I was doing things at the right time, in the right moment, at the right city. Everything was right for me, and it was super scary. But I, as I look back, I think everything was divinely put together for me so that I could get to this point right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go back to the mo- the point you've just made about being a lawyer. I mean, I, I am an, I'm a New York attorney. So I've taken the New York bar um, and then actually I took that first and then I took the English bar afterwards. So I became a barrister. Technically, I I passed the New York bar exams first, but I became a barrister first. And then I took my hypocritical oath. So therefore, I became officially an attorney after my um, before after I became a barrister. I know I worked for uh, Muscatine Arts and White and Case. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I mean, like they were my counterparts on a lot of deals. So. Uh, so so the, the working culture I'm familiar with and is that they pay a lot of money. They pay a lot oh. of money, but they pretty much own you. And as a mother, I remember when the decision of reason why I decided to go into a, a business rather than going back into law when I when I had the when I had, was forced into it, I had to go back. I couldn't imagine working in those crazy hours. It was just mad. And as a single as a single individual, you can, but as a parent, as a mother of young children, it's difficult to it's, I think that pushes you. That makes sense to me why you'd want to give, you know, you pull away from there. I know you said it, it was crushing yourself. I know how that feels. I know. I am, how- I'm, I'm very thrilled that you, we're having this talk because, you know, a lot of people don't fully understand. They have a glimpse, but, you know, you had been at Scatton, which is notorious for how they really crush their souls of the associates and partners too. Like, but once you're a partner, you're a partner. So... It's like, it's a very, I, I, I always think that it's a little bit of like Stockholm syndrome, right? Like, I mean, you just really want to run away from your cat, you, you know, the people, the, 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 par- the person who's kidnapped you, but then you sort of fall in love with it in a very like yeah. masochist way. So I. It's see- a love-hate relationship, isn't it? You're, you're, you, as much as you want to pull away, you're pulled in because there's a glamour attached to it externally. Um, Externally, yeah, and that you know, but honestly, the truth is, the amount of money that you make there does not really pay for your life. In other words, it's like you give everything up for Mm -hmm. their businesses and their visions and their dreams. And like, I was not available for that, you know, anymore. Mm -hmm. I was just sort of like very clear that I was going to start from scratch and that it was going to be difficult and that the money was not going to be the same, at least not at the beginning, but just like by that, by now I have surpassed what I made as a lawyer many times over. Um, even if I were a junior partner, I would be at right now, I make more money. Um, and the, the truth is that the law profession, while it's fascinating, and I think it's also one of the very few professions that are going to still require people to go to school, mm. to get a degree, um, and to pass the exams, 
I think that is changed tremendously from the ideals that people had at some mm. point that you would go to court to argue, you know, a case and things like that. I was not a litigator. I was in corporate, mm. which, you know, Same um, I wasn't in li- yeah. I was in litigation. So, I, was in I don't I mean, I again, like I think it's a fascinating career and and it's um it's it's solid as dense because you are always sort of like learning about all these different types of laws and constitutional and criminal and contracts. I mean, it's wonderful as a foundation. And honestly, I got to tell you something. My years at law firms gave me a work ethic that very few people in the art world understand or have. It's not that people in the art world don't work hard. They do, actually. But I'm like. It's I'm different. Like I'm, you know, they are like, how can you do all these things and answer all these emails and be having like seven eyes? Like, I don't know. I think that I got a training where I was always looking for typos and I was looking for mistakes in contracts. And I was like on call all the time. And I, I you know, what I do right now is sometimes could be very challenging, but it feels like fun, honestly, mm-hmm. next to what all those many years in law firms feel and and look i really thought if if i have to quit and go to work for you know the legal department of a company i'm not going to be happy it's just not it's not even the hours i'm not afraid of working hard Hmm. i could work as much as 14 hours right now like it the the thing is the whole it's just not a motivating thing for me right i mean just like reading papers and uh changing things and negotiating terms of things that honestly the deals were so big that my work was not to negotiate things and even if it would have been at that level the last word did not belong to me I I was representing banks so anyway bottom line is you understand it and I'm sure people in the audience have had other opportunities to be in jobs that were not fulfilling yeah I'm not saying lawyers are not necessary. Um, I know lawyers who are happy, very few, but um, that was not my, no, it was not for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, everything you're saying resonates with me completely. I, I completely agree too. And I, was, I too was in banking. I was in the M&A in the banking, banking and finance sector. So I, I understand. And even though it seems, you know, after all the accolades and all the hard work you're doing, your, your role is so small and so minuscule in this grand scale of things. There's no job satisfaction there. I think that's the point you're getting at. And I didn't feel that. I didn't, if you could, if you removed, if once I was removed, I could easily be replaced. That's one of oh, the yeah. things. Uh, and so, you know, I, and I did, I obviously I left, uh, you know, I'm on a maternity and no one back. But whereas what the work I do now, I'm making a contribution. Of course, if you set, set up an established business, then you can make the, the you know, that salary and many times over. And obviously that's the case uh, with myself too. But I think the the point I'm making is it's working hard is it's not the issue. I think we we know, but as as working mothers we work really hard because our days are structured around our family. So we we have to get up, think about kids, do work, think about kids, work, think about kids. It's, it literally is a fifteen hour, sixteen hour day for most most mothers, if not more actually. So the work ethic is just part of it, and I think that I think I'm glad you said that. We, I mean, I got my work ethic, but I, I just worked really hard when I was younger. That is when you transfer that work ethic into your own business and you're able to do that, you know, decisively, then you're able to work at work people around you. But still, I don't, I also don't adhere to the hustle structure either. I think that we don't, we shouldn't really be hustling. We should be making a lifestyle choice, but that's not my personal choice. 
I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. I'm going to ask you now, um, what support did you have when you made that decision of leaving your job? I mean, I didn't have the choice. I, I, I when I maternity, didn't go back for various reasons. And then I was pushed into when I, when I, the point of when I was had to go back to work, I had a choice to make. And I purposely made a choice of going to business. What, you know, what made you, what gave you the, what gave you the courage to leave your, you know, your legal job um, and to, and to start your own business? What support network did you have? Well, I mean, I had already worked for nine years and had savings and 401k plans and whatnot, but I am also married to the same guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I discussed this with him and I asked, you know, if he was going to be okay with me taking this leap of faith, right? Because it was an unproven idea for me that I didn't know if it, I was going to ever have any success. I mean, no. Like, this is not true. I knew I was going to be successful because I, you don't ever start a business and say, oh, fuck this shit. It's going to fail. Sorry, but that's not how you do things. You know, that's that's not, that's not the attitude. Nobody can really, an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. has to be aware of risks. But if you are always thinking of the risks, better just stay in your job, right? Like, I mean, you are not caught for this. So I knew that I was getting into very complicated territory by not having the background, by not having ever worked in the art industry, by not knowing. I mean, I knew people for sure, but I, it's not that I had a network like I have now, right? I mean, it's it, it was learning how to run a business and learning the business itself. So I support, the support came from really having some money, not a lot, but some, and uh, having a husband who was supportive and believed that I could do what I wanted to do and that he was okay with that, you know, and um, it paid off. But other than that, I just didn't really have much more to rely on. I And I wanted to keep them, my business very nimble. So it was not like, oh, let me just go and get all this debt and all this, you know, lines of credit and shit. No, I was just like, I have this money for marketing. I have this money for a website. I have this money to hire someone who helps me with messaging. I have, you know, eventually I hired an assistant. So it was just not like, let me just go crazy and burn all this money. And no, that was absolutely never my intention. And I still keep it very nimble because I prefer to focus on the over flow of profits rather than like like just let me get crazy and see how I just put the money no that's not I mean again like I am a very I have a very entrepreneurial spirit and I do a lot of experiments with things when I feel it's the right time but I am not crazy like let me just take all this money and uh, put it in one thing because that's not I don't I'm not interested in that okay I mean that's interesting so how do you do how do you deal with uncertainty that comes with having your own business because when you have um a job doesn't matter if it's a legal job or other high paying professions you have certainty of income coming in every month that's the only the only plus point aside of having a job how do you deal with the uncertainty and the you know the ebb and flow of business because you there are months when it's great months when it's not um lead flow dries up so forth how do you deal with that 
Look, I think that after being in this business, in my business for 14 years, I have experienced every sort of crisis, you know, that there was. Like I opened my business in 2009 and we were just like having all the sort of like steal the effects of the 2008 banking crisis. You know, we have seen political upheavals and pandemics and now another banking crisis. So I think that the dealing with the ups and downs is something that from a practical standpoint, you just keep doing what you're doing or you redouble efforts on on your outreach or on income streams from different sources. But I do think that there is a lot more in the spiritual realm that entrepreneurs and business people don't talk about because that's too woo-woo and it cannot be measured and things like that. And I think that it's it's really a mistake to leave everything to just like, you know, more and more actions. So I feel that if I'm in a really good state of mind, if I'm positive, if I'm you know, sort of like allowing time to meditate or to feel grateful, things sort of like work a little better for me. And I rely on my gifts, my strengths, my talents, and, you know, the all the many years that I have been doing my things legitimately and uh, the clients that I have worked with to not let me sink into you know, desperation, right? Mm. Right now I could be like, you know, screaming my lungs out because, you know, all four banks went under in like, you know, one week. So, and that's going to affect everybody. There's going to be a liquidity crunch probably. It's not just the US. In fact, when shit happens, we sneeze and the world gets pneumonia. Mm. And this is what like a lot of people don't fully get, you know, Mm. is that we are resilient. There's a lot of people here who work really intensely hard. And there's still a lot of very wealthy people who are still willing to do businesses. But, you know, I, I feel that... I do both the action and the practical things. And I also feel that there is, you know, a spiritual world that I actually can be connected to with positive. I mean, I, I hate, it sounds trite to say it's like positive thinking. It's not that it's, it's like, I am very good at providing the services that I, that I provide. Mm -hmm. I go above and beyond what I do. I have a network of excellent friends and clients. And if I were to feel that something is not right, I would reach out asking for help. I think that everybody should always feel that they can reach out to other people for help. People cannot Mm -hmm. do anything alone. Mm -hmm. But uncertainty is something that while you're very right to say that when you're in a job, you feel it less, it doesn't matter because you can be fired. There can be... Well, there's a, false, there's a false sense of security that most people have with a job, isn't it? I mean, I always say job is just above broke. In three months under, yeah. you, you could be broke. But people have the sense of um, security with a job because they think it, it's regular income, whereas with the, with your business, you there's ups and downs. And sometimes... You're totally you get, right. Yeah. And it's it's just about having the expertise to be willing to pivot. And at a certain time, you know, it's, it's like, I already know that there are going to be a lot of more opportunities happening in a secondary market of what I do that rather than going to primary, which is, you know, what gets to be sold directly from galleries. So I already feel that there is a little bit of a shift there. I already, mm-hmm. I have gotten a lot of like different requests for other different things to work on different consulting things with companies. So, you know, I never say 
no to a project before really fully analyzing it. I also say no a lot to a lot of things. But yes, I mean, uncertainty is part of like the life of anybody who is alive. I think like anybody who is on this planet will have to deal with uncertainty. And I think that the more you want to insulate yourself from it, it's going to be faster that you are in positions where uncertainty hits you and gets you. So, I mean, I know I'm I'm going to have like great months and I know that I'm going to have normal months and I, yeah. you need I'm to cool plan, with that. Yeah, you need to plan better and I think you need to have an idea. I think that's the biggest lesson that employees, when they become in entrepreneurs, and that that's a lesson they need to acquire is, you know, there's not steady income and you have to plan your money and not run out of it. And so I think that's, <laughs> that's so it's money management rather than anything else. And, um, and, and I, I like the fact that you said, you, you know, start off small, you know, be even nimble when you are, you know, I mean, thinking about your, your business expenses, don't go out and spend a hundred thousand on, on unnecessary expenses and so forth. There is an element of investment in yourself. And I do agree with that, especially doing mindset work and um, learning the skills of, of having a business. But a lot of the time it is about making sure that the money you have, you take you make it go a long way and you're able to invest in yourself, invest in marketing and still retain um, a nimble business as, as you put in your words. It's very important. It's very important. A lot of entrepreneurs get very excited and, and overspend yeah and overspend yeah. think of things that are really not needed yeah i think i'm 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 like i said even a website's not necessary until uh, until you've got money coming in when i first came starting my coaching i just had a website on uh, a simple one page thing on on click funnels i didn't even have a website on my own i had my domain i bought my domain ages ago and um, but i think i made my website ugh, must have been at least a year and a half into my business uh, and when i was hitting about to hit the six figures mark that's when i made my my um my website so you don't really need to have all those frills or whatever to run a successful business well yeah let's wrap this up so what's your parting comments to somebody who is maybe in a corporate job at the moment is thinking of transitioning over into their passion project but has yet to do so well i think that it's important to um, perhaps if you're not fully ready to just like leave to do some sort of consulting on the side mm-hmm. in your spare time, if you have any, uh, which I think people mostly after the pandemic with all the flexible arrangements that exist nowadays, people do have a little bit more time that they don't have to do FaceTime in offices or mm-hmm. in, you know, whatever it is. So I think that if you can secure a couple of interesting consulting gigs, then that will give you not only validation in your ideas, but also an in with clients, right? Because what you need to support a business is sell your services or your products to someone. And if you have a little bit of a glimpse of that, what that could be, with you know having a job and having this extra thing on the side that's usually a very promising thing that people are hiring you for something that perhaps no one else knows that you do or something that you would or experience that you have acquired in your job that you want to do it in a different way so i think that is a very which i didn't do because as as an attorney you're full-time 100 percent. what i was doing though is i was suggesting artworks and artists for friends 
mm-hmm. to acquire. And they were always very happy with everything. They they always said, oh, my God, that artist you recommended me is just uh, killing it. They having a museum show or the artist is, you know, going at auction for 10 times as much as I paid and things like that. So that was a lot of validation for me. It was not necessarily like I was mining the data and getting crazy and having spreadsheets. Oh, how many people? No, it was just a lot more, I would say, organic than that. But, you know, I think that every human being has a lot of very specific gifts and talents and general gifts and talents. But I think that if someone is passionate about it and they can give that to a community, a group of people, the whole world, whatever it is, they should definitely lean into it by testing and refining what works and how they feel until they figure it out that they already yeah. have something where they can go and do it on on their own. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I think I think I think it's if you are that serious about it, you can do it as a side hustle until you get the validation and you're comfortable enough to take the leap of faith. So I think jumping in the gun without having something uh, validated is probably not the 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 way to go about it. So you know, give yourself some space of certainty by you know validating your your offer, validating your idea. And then moving forward. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap up. Uh, Maria, tell us, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you on the internet? Yes, my website, it's mariabrito.com. That's B-R-I-T as in Tom O.com. And then you have links to all my social media handles and whatnot. And also there is a form. If anybody wants to email, there is a form where you can fill it out and reach out. Wonderful. Now, if you are listening to us on the podcast and the links that uh, Maria just mentioned, her website and her social media handles will be on the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, then down below in the description section, we'll have all the links as well. Go check her out and see if she can help you with your art. Thank you so much, Maria, for being our amazing guest today on Friday Feature. We have to have you back on Money Talkies. But today, thank you so much. Thank you, Go. I'm, I'm thrilled and I'll be back in the talkies. Thank you so much. I will be back with another amazing guest finding out how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time, this is Goa Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com and if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop and if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money then go and get my book Laws of Money from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.